Friends, nut jobs, endurance geeks, runners, Coach Q, Lane One, episode 13. Lucky number 13. And in this episode, we chatted with Ryan Van Duzer. And I first came across Ryan when I again was doing a uh, deep dive into the cycling world. Specifically, the Tour Divide, which we've talked about, and I interviewed Jill Homer. Check out that episode and learn more about her ride on the Divide. But Ryan has also ridden the Divide, and I came across his channel on YouTube and learned about some of the different exploits that he has taken part of or taken a part in while riding his bicycle. And the other thing I learned about Ryan was it he was also a Peace Corps volunteer, so geeked out a little bit over that because some of you may know or may not know that I am also or <clears throat> served in the Peace Corps, so you know the nomenclature or the verbiage is we are an RPCV or Return Peace Corps volunteer. So we chatted a little bit about that. We didn't kick out too much about that because this, of course, is a discussion show podcast regarding endurance events. Some might consider being a Peace Corps volunteer an endurance event, but that's for a different time or a different topic, a different episode. Nevertheless, we had a great time talking about uh, what inspired Ryan to to propel himself across this big blue marble on his bicycle. And uh, part of the inspiration was when he closed out his service as a Peace Corps volunteer in Central America, he rode his bike home. He rode his bike back from Central America back to Colorado, and that um, birthed his uh, his passion for uh, riding his bicycle. <clears throat> uh, he's also a TV host, of course, content creator, YouTube. He's, he's got some great stuff on his YouTube channel. He just completed riding the Colorado Trail, which um, we talked a little bit about, and so I was excited to see that he finished that, and I'm looking forward to seeing the content that he provides for that. So he's appeared on the Travel Channel, Discovery, and all sorts of um, different channels. And I was just really inspired by what he's up to. And we had a great chat and learned about uh, some of the other projects that he's working on. One thing I will say about this episode is we ran into a lot of technical difficulties with our internet connection. And so you might hear throughout the conversation some breaks or some small breaks. I tried to do my best with the editing to limit that. Uh, but but because of that, and you know who knows why? Maybe it's just because I still don't know what I'm doing with this audio stuff. Is that it? For some reason, did not record the can kind of last fifth, ten, fifteen minutes of the of our chat where he talked about uh, a trip that he organized with, um, or of taking his mom to Machu Picchu. And he did a great video on that. And so I encourage you to check that out because you won't hear about it because for some reason the audio didn't record. So I apologize for that. And so this episode is going to be a little shorter, which some of you might welcome. <clears throat> but uh, nevertheless, nevertheless, like I said, it was a great conversation and um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, what else? Uh, the Olympics have started and who is who has, who is not watching? Um as I'm recording this, the women's triathlon is taking place, and uh, they're doing, they're participating in this event in, in some inclement weather in Tokyo, or I think it's in Tokyo. 
and I'm really excited for track and field and for some, you know, just for the running events and endurance events to get started and to keep watching that. Hope your running is going well. And uh, locally here, we've got um, races coming up in the fall. You know, I keep saying we're going to give more information on that. And we will, I promise. But uh, the other more important and more exciting event that is happening is cross-country season officially opens here in Georgia August 2nd. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, So hope those teams are out there getting in their miles, finishing up, getting ready for the 2021 cross-country season, which should be really exciting. So we're going to keep it brief, ladies and gentlemen. Again, thanks for listening. Check out the previous episodes and um, hope you enjoy this one and uh, let's go for a ride. There you are. Okay, it says my internet connection is unstable. Let me make sure. <laughs> unstable. I have fast internet, man. Come on. <laughs> I think we're good. I think I think what happens is I'm using the Scarlett 2i2 as my little mixer here and if I don't disable it through from GarageBand, oh. I think it the signal between Zoom and GarageBand are fighting, and then one wants it, and so I think that's, that's I think we, we figured found, out. We seem to be doing well now. Now we're cooking with Crisco, as they say down here. Cooking for Chris. Yeah, I worked for Travel Channel in Knoxville, Tennessee. They would say that. <laughs> now we're cooking with Crisco, Van Dusen. So let's start with Peace Corps. Yeah. So are you recording. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, we're good. Recording. It's gonna be good. So what, what, uh, g- give me, give me your Peace Corps story. I joined the Peace Corps in 2003 and I went to college at the University of Colorado. And I remember very early on my freshman year going to one of those career fairs with yeah. all the tables and booths and pretty pamphlets of things you can do after you graduate. And Peace Corps was the table that really drew me in. And I saw the pamphlet and volunteers all over the world with these happy, smiley kids and changing the world. And I was like, I'm going to do that. So from my very first year in college, I knew that when I graduated in four or five years that I would join the Peace Corps. And I was sent to Honduras to work in youth development. They had just opened up a youth development program there. And I had done a lot of work here in Boulder with Mexican immigrant youth after school programs as a mentor and all sorts of clubs and stuff. And I, I, you know, I was pretty good at Spanish, but I really wanted to get better at it. And I'd never been to Honduras and that's how it started. And I loved it. It was an incredible experience. You know, I was faced with some of the biggest challenges of my life. And of course you probably know this, but you really, um, those, those moments are the most rewarding. And I've been back many times. I'm still very connected to the community. And the kids that I worked with are now young adults. It's pretty crazy. And uh, that's my story in a very short amount of time. <laughs> so you you started your service in 03? 03, yeah. And so you COS in 2005? 2005, yes, sir. Uh, for, 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 for the uninformed, COS is close of service. <laughs> close, yeah. And so- then... I got on my bicycle. Were you going to ask that question? Well, I was going to, I was going to, I wanted to go back to Peace Corps for a second, just okay. because we have that connection. So had you picked Honduras or that Latin America as your first region, like your primary region? 
Yep. I wanted to go to Latin America. Okay. You know, so that means anywhere from, you know, Central America to South America to some sure. of the Caribbean islands. And then what city in Honduras were you, were you was your site? In a little town near the western border of El Salvador, up high in the mountains, about a mile high, just like Colorado, called La Esperanza, the hope. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And were you with a host family at first and then your own place or were you entirely yep. with a host I was with family? the host family at first and it was a cool situation, but I really wanted to break out and live on my own. And I moved to a neighborhood on the very, very edge of town. That was more like a small village connected to a bigger city. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. It was a great experience. And those are the kids that I really worked with the most. It was awesome. And the project was? Yeah, youth was development. What? So anything in the world of working with, you know, young, young adults and kids, really. So anything from I coached boys and girls soccer teams. I went into different schools and uh, did like creativity writing skills. I'm a journalism major. I started a youth news TV show in our town. It was funded by UNICEF. If the the listeners were like, oh yeah, I remember UNICEF. That's when we were, you know, Halloween and we'd go around and, and, you know, get money donated from people and put quarters in the little box for UNICEF. And uh, yeah, just anything in the world of working with kids. And I, I loved it. And you were there the, the, the full two years of your service. Yep. Yep. I was there the full two years. So you wrapped it up and you decide instead of flying home, you're going to ride your bike back to Colorado. Yeah. Good idea. huh? <laughs> Sounds like a Peace Corps volunteer to me. Totally. You know, and I, you know, I, th- those two years were really impactful on me and I didn't want to just jump into an airplane and be home in five hours. I thought that would have been too fast. I wanted to process what I had done for those two years and also have time to dream to the future, what I wanted to do with my life. So the best way I know to think is on the seat of a bicycle. And so I decided to ride my bike home to Boulder, Colorado, which was about 4,000 miles away. <laughs> now, was this a borrowed bike, a Honduran bike? Did you have a <laughs> bike sent? What, what, what were we riding? I was lucky enough to have met a, an American guy that worked for an NGO. And I met him actually in my Peace Corps training in Tegucigalpa. I was at a bar and just met the guy and I was asking him about bicycles. And he's like, if, you know, all the bikes you buy at stores here are like cheap $80, like Chinese Walmart style bikes. And I was like, oh, I'd love to have something better. <laughs> and he's like, actually, I have an old Trek bike that I'll sell you. I'm actually leaving in the next four months and I don't need any more. I'll sell it to you for $500, which was a great deal. Yeah. And so he sold me his old bike and that is the bike that I used during my two years of service to ride my bike to all the schools, to all the faraway aldeas and everything, the small villages. And that's the bike that I used to ride home. And before you got in or before you joined the Peace Corps, were you an avid cyclist? riding your bike. I mean, yep. that was already always, part of your- I've always loved cycling. I've never had a car in my life. I've never had a car in my life. I just got my, I got my license at age 32. Nice. And uh, yeah, so I've always been a cyclist and I love riding my bike. So what, what, what was the inspiration to just ride back to Colorado? It really was just to go on an adventure and just take to keep the, the time going. to, keep the adventure going, but also really process the work that I had done for those two years in Honduras and really think about 
you know, what I wanted to do with my future. You know, I had a degree in broadcast journalism, but I didn't know if I wanted to be a journalist or war correspondent or work in international affairs or something mm. or work, you know, for an international NGO. So, so you knew finishing your service, closing your service out, you thought, man, I just, I, I don't know that I can go back to the nine to five, the grind. I need to figure out what my next adventure is going to be. Exactly. Yeah. And it took three months to ride home. So I had plenty of time to think about it. And it was the most amazing adventure of my life. I'd never felt so alive. Every single day I'd wake up, usually camped off the side of the road, put all my stuff in a little trailer and just start riding north. And I didn't, this is before cell phones and iPhones mm -hmm. and Google Maps and all that stuff. So I was just kind of making it up every day as I went. And I met so many wonderful people. And it was, uh, it kind of lit a fire in me. I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to travel the world, either on a bike or however I do it, and share stories with people. And so at the time, the only way to do that through video was on TV. You know, and so I'm like, wow, maybe I'll be like a travel channel TV host. Mm -hmm. And so when I got home, that's really what I started, where it was like outdoor adventure stuff. And then I slowly made my way higher and did start working for Travel Channel and other networks. Oh, cool. So in that ride back, your COS ride, it's been now 16 years, if I, done, yeah. if I did the math correctly. Is, yeah. there any, any, is there any one stretch or experience or individual that you still think about 16 years later? Yeah, you know, it was really, the first part of the ride was through Central America, Belize mm -hmm. and Guatemala. And that was really an interesting experience. You know, I met so many wonderful people in Belize. I camped out in these Mayan villages. Belize is very interesting. It's very multicultural. Mm -hmm. There's Mayans who speak Spanish and Mayan language. There's Garifuna, who are the descendants of African slaves who speak their own language. There's East Indian people. And there's a ton of Mennonites in mm -hmm. Belize who, you know, just roll down these country roads and like, buggies look like straight out of <laughs> Amish country in the United States. So it's, it's a fascinating place. And I got to know Belize really well, camping all over the place and meeting wonderful people. And then Mexico is my favorite country on the planet. People are just so lively and fun and carefree. And I love the music and I love the food. And uh, yeah, people in Mexico brought me into their homes all the time. I'd be some random gringo on a bike showing up to a small village and they'd be like, what the heck are you doing here? <laughs> You know, and then they'd, you know, make dinner and I'd camp in their backyard and play with the kids. And it was awesome. So you get back to the States, you have this wonderful experience and you've dedicated, you know, like you said, your life and, and your passion towards connecting, telling stories. And, um, and that's how I found your video on the great divide is okay. I was actually, I was doing some pre-work for another interview that I have coming up later this week on another endurance kind of adventure seeking writer who had ridden the divide and your video popped up. And so I took the deep dive and watched your video of your divide ride. And I just, I just saw as I, as I was getting ready for our talk now that you posted the New Mexico portion of it. And um, so I haven't had a chance to finish that. <laughs> 
It's a good one. It was definitely an adventure. So last summer, I did the Great Divide. For the viewers, listeners out there, it's the longest off-road bike route in the world. It goes from Banff, Canada to the border of Mexico following the Continental Divide. Mm -hmm. And last summer, I did it all the way from the border. We can't go into Canada yet because of COVID. I did it from the border all the way down to Southern Colorado, but I did not go into New Mexico because they had really strict quarantine rules for travelers coming into the state. So I stopped in Southern Colorado and just finally went back two weeks ago and finished up the final portion. Nice. So yeah. the, 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 so prior to the divide ride last year, you hadn't ridden that um, you hadn't ridden the divide before. Nope. That was the first time. That was the first time. And did you know going into that year that you would do it or did COVID open up that opportunity? COVID totally opened up that. Yeah. The pandemic opened up that opportunity. I was planning on riding all over Europe last summer <laughs> and there's a, riding the length of Great Britain and doing all this fun stuff in Europe. And then obviously that was all canceled. And then I was like, you know, I've always wanted to do the great divide and just made it happen. And when you, when, when, at one point last year during the pandemic, did you go, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, Europe is locked down. I can't do that adventure. And the divide is here. You're in Boulder, right? So you're, you know, it's getting to the Canadian border is, you know, obviously easier for me. What was, you know, from point A to point B, what, uh, or from Boulder to Banff, or not Banff, I guess, but where you started in, in, in Montana, what was the time frame? So I decided to do the divide in about March. And I worked okay. with a company. Uh-oh. Are we good? You're back. You're back. Sorry about this. What a no, no, that's right. That's right. You said you were working with a company. So I was working with a bicycle company in New York City called Priority. And oh, okay. Yep. They, they let me design the bicycle that I rode down nice. the divide. I designed this dream bike and... Uh, Started the divide on July 11th last summer, and I flew to Whitefish, Montana with the bicycle, and a friend picked me up, took me to the northernmost border, and then I started pedaling. And in the process of, of preparing for that, had, I mean, from March to July, or I guess April to July, and I, and I you know, you're obviously used to bikepacking, you've done several different bikepacking adventures, what, uh, what was the planning for it? Or were you just like, I just need to find the time to do it. I already know what I'm yeah. doing and I'm going. Yeah, pretty much. I'm always in physical shape. I run and ride a lot here in Boulder. So I knew that I didn't, I didn't really prepare all that much physically for it. I just needed to get my stuff together and get my time, you know, all squared away. And that's, that's how it happened. That's how I do most of my rides is I just figure out where I want to go and get on my bike and start pedaling. And with with all the rides that you've that you've gone on, what what are what have you learned about just what have you learned about just human beings? I that's my favorite part of all my rides is connecting with the humans all around the world. And I've met some wonderful people from West Virginia to Baja California to mm-hmm. Chris Belize, Guatemala, Montana. I like riding my bike. It's fun. I love the physical act of moving my body all day long and camping under the stars. But really, bike rides and these routes put you in touch with people that you would never meet 
if you were in a car or you were just flying above, you know, a, a, a state like Iowa and just skipping everything. And uh, yeah, I've, I've met so many people that have just, you know, I, they just fill my heart with warmth and joy and uh, give me hope for the, the planet really. <laughs> Cause you've experienced a lot of cool trail magic. Mm-hmm. Like I, I started watching yeah. some of your video from New Mexico and uh, that I think your first day, the gentleman yeah. opened up his home and kind of let you stay in his house because the weather was turning. I think it was snowing or, or the rain turned to snow, I believe, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah. And that happens a lot. And th- that was a really wonderful couple where I just knocked on their door and asked if I could camp under the awning at the church across yeah. the street. I just wanted them to know that I would be there and not some weirdo trespassing. And they're like, yeah, you can camp under the awning at the church. And I turned around and started walking toward the church. And he's like, wait a second. Actually, you want to stay here? I have a spare bedroom and my wife just made lasagna. Come stay here. And I was like, right on. Let's do it. And I actually ended up staying with them for two nights because the next day was a full on blizzard. Oh, wow. Yeah. Don't give it away. I haven't watched. The rest of the oh, okay. I won't say anything. <laughs> so now. The, a, a question on the bike then. So on, on the bike that you that you designed, what was what made that bike a different in terms of your design, you know, your vision for for a bike that that you're going to use for 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 these long trips? Yep. So I've done a lot of big bike packing trips all over the world, and I really like bikes that are low maintenance. You don't want things things breaking down in the middle of nowhere. And so the unique thing about that bike is that it has a very interesting drivetrain. So the gears are inside something called a pinion gearbox. It's made mm-hmm. in Germany. And it was designed by Porsche transmission engineers who said, hey, bikes should be more like cars where all the gears are enclosed and safe from the elements. Because a traditional drivetrain on a bicycle, you have a chain and you mm-hmm. have an exposed derailleur. And mud and snow and gunk really messes things up quickly. But with this system, nothing gets in and you're good to go always. And then also, I don't have a traditional chain, like a metal chain. It's made, it's made of carbon. It's called a Gates carbon drive. And you never need to lube it, and they last three times longer than a chain. So that's really what makes the bike unique. Other than that, it's essentially a hardtail mountain bike with front suspension made for bikepacking. But it's not, it's not a single gear, correct? No, it looks like it, but it's not. How many gears does it? So it does has it... 12 actual gears. And that's all encased in that, in, in, in the hub? It, yeah. And it, not so much the hub. It's in like the, the area where the bottom bracket is. Oh, right, right, right. A lot right, of people right. think it looks like an e-bike. They're like, oh, you have an e-bike? I'm like, no, it's not an e-bike. But inside that gearbox, it looks like a very complicated watch. There's all these gears and everything going on in there. That German engineer. Fascinating. And it has a 600% gear ratio. So from the easiest gear to the hardest gear, there's a 600% change. Most drivetrains uh, on a mountain bike or something have about a 500% gear ratio. So not only is it not a single speed, it has more gears than any bike on the planet. Fascinating. And and obviously with that choice of gears a bike like that on the divide where you have you know hundreds of thousands of feet of elevation change mm-hmm. i mean how how did it work it was perfect you can ride that thing up a wall 
<laughs> no, it was, it was really great. I mean, it's after years and years of, of bike packing on traditional bikes, this really was my dream setup and I got to design it and, uh, it's really cool. And is the bike called the, the Van Duzer? The Van Duzer Cruiser? I wish. <laughs> no, it's called the Priority 600X. Oh, come on. The Van Duzer Cruiser is just begging to be used. I know. I know. That can be like its little pet name, I guess. But After we're done here, I'm going to give these guys at Priority a call. And I'm you just should. Gonna... <laughs> Tell them you want it to be named the Duzer Cruiser. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the bike you rode last year was a prototype. And then this year, it's is that going to be in production? Yep. So this year is the real deal. And we started selling pre-order selling this bike last summer. And, you know, if you, if you know that there's like a big worldwide bicycle boom right now. So bicycle supply is very difficult from frames to components to anything. You walk in any bike shop right now and you're waiting a year to get a new bike. There's just huge demand and not enough inventory. So we're selling the bike, we're taking orders, but it's not going to, they're not going to be out for a while, but the first batch is out. So we sold a, a few hundred already. And you're New York based. Yep. They're on in Manhattan. Of all places. Who yeah. They mostly specialize in low maintenance city bikes, you know, okay. commuter type bikes and e-bikes and stuff, but uh, they let me make a mountain bike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now, a Colorado guy. <laughs> You, you, you said cruiser and I, one of the other uh, cool facts that I learned about um, your biking adventures is that you, you rode, well, you rode a very long distance on a cruiser bike, right? Yeah. So have you ever heard of new Belgium brewery? They make fat tire beer. Uh, of course I have. <laughs> of course. For supuesto que si. Anyway, so they every year make a, uh, an limited edition cruiser bike with the new Belgium, you know, branding uh, on it. And they, okay. We good. I think you're back. Yeah. We back. Yeah. New Belgium. New Belgium. New Belgium. So new Belgium makes a limited edition cruiser bike every year. And they usually use these bikes for giveaways at events and fundraisers and stuff. And they're always cool, styly cruiser bikes. And I had kind of built a relationship with them back in 2005 and 2006. They have a big event around the country called the tour de fat where it's a mm -hmm. gigantic cruiser bike ride with thousands of people. And I made some videos about this ride and they're like, sweet. Thanks for the promotion. We'd love to give you a bike. And I was like, sweet, no way. That's awesome. And I, when they gave it to me, I jokingly said, I'm going to ride this across the United States. And they're like, ha ha ha. Yeah. Right. But I followed up with them and they're like, all right, if you really want to do this, we'll find a way to make it happen. So I rode a three speed new Belgium cruiser bike across the country in 2009. And you started where? I started in Oceanside, California, which okay. is near San Diego. Yeah. yeah. Finished in Washington, DC. Nice. Yeah. How long did that take? It didn't take all that long. It took 45 days. That's not bad. So, yeah. It's about 3000 miles. Now, did you do it in, in, in your way? Just you started and stopped wherever you needed yep. to stop and wherever you exactly. needed to stop. So I late. pulled, I pulled a trailer with camping gear. Okay. You know, I filmed the adventures way back in the early days. So the videos are, they're old, but yeah, I filmed the adventure for the local newspaper. I wrote articles and the whole idea was that it was a bicycle advocacy tour. Really, right. so I can ride a cheap three-speed cruiser, 3000 miles. You guys out there in the world can ride your bikes to work or to the grocery store. 
And it, the whole idea was to show people how fun it is to ride a bike and that you don't need the most expensive gear to do it. Right on. And was that, um, isn't the, the race across America happening around the same time? Yes. So actually the race across America directors live in Boulder. And I went to them and said, Hey, can I start with you guys with the big start? So I went out there and actually, uh, started with, with all the races (laughs) and I rode a lot of the same route, not entirely, but I rode a lot of the race across America routes. Because they normally finish in Maryland. They finish in Annapolis. Annapolis. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're riding a cruiser like that, how many times did you have to change a flat? Luckily, I think I had one flat tire or something. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I invested in like, you know, puncture proof tires. Right. Anyone that's listening out there, and you're going to go on a bike tour, spend all the money you can on good tires. It makes all the difference. And a good seat, I would imagine. And a good seat. You want your butt to be happy. <laughs> yeah. Now, Ryan, how many bikes do you own? I don't have all that many. Some people have like garages full of 20 bikes. I mean, I have a full suspension mountain bike. I have my Priority 600X bike packing bike. Mm-hmm. I have like a city bike and I have a gravel bike. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. But now I don't you... have a car. Never had a car. <laughs> Good for you. Now, are you, are you, are you, do you also race? Do you do any local stuff in terms of like bike racing or gravel racing? No, I mean, I've done some. We have a race called the Old Man Winter Rally that I'll mm-hmm. jump to here. And I've done race across America, not on a cruiser bike. And uh, I, I race more running than, than riding. When I get on my bike, that's adventure time. That's fun time. And are you are you, are you a ultra trail guy or are you a roadie, a little bit of both? A little bit of both. You know, I started off running 10Ks here. Boulder is famous for a big race called Boulder, 50,000 people. But, you know, I've done anywhere from one mile races to a hundred mile races. Which hundreds have you done? The Javelina hundred in Arizona. Oh, yeah, of course. Aravipa. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Aravipa. Yeah. The, I've done that three times. I love it. Nice. And then this year I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do the Leadville 100. Very nice. Yeah. I've done Umstead, which is in North Carolina. And I l- luckily got into Western five years ago. Really? I did Western States. Yeah. No way. That's cool, man. So what's, what's the adventures? What's next? What's, what's coming up on the, on the horizon? Don't stress me out. I don't know. (laughs) I, you know, I'm going to do the Colorado trail this summer. That's North America's premier single track trails. Most people hike it, but there's a lot of bikers doing it Mm -hmm. now. That's full on mountain biking. The great divide is mostly gravel riding, you know, forest roads and stuff. Colorado trail is single track and it's tough. So I want to do that. I want to do Ragbri. It's a big, mm-hmm. you know, ride across the state of Iowa, you know, and then I'll put, put together some other rides as well. But summertime is when I'm the most active for sure. Right. And now right. we're opening up the pandemic. We can do things again. So is it, what's, what's the bucket list? Are you going to ride across Russia? <laughs> Siberia? No, I don't <laughs> like being cold. I really don't like being cold. I love you the ride. I, you can ride in the summer. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And there, I'd have a lot of light. I want bucket list items. I want to ride the length of Sweden from the very bottom of Sweden to the top of Sweden, past the Arctic Circle in the summertime. I lived in Sweden as an exchange student, so I have a you know close connection to sure. Sweden. I'd love to do that. I'd love to ride in Africa. I'd love to ride in Australia. You know, there's so many beautiful places. 
And have you written the, you went Honduras to Boulder. What about Honduras to the, you know, Southern tip of uh, yeah, South America? Way. Yeah. You know, I would consider doing something like that. Yeah. You know, I, I love Latin America. I feel most comfortable of all the foreign places I go. I love Latin America the most. I love, you know, I speak Spanish and I just right. love the music and the people and it, I just fit in really well there. Well, I, I, I think if you, if, if you ever get to the point where you do want to do that, let me in and, or count me in and I'll, and I'll join you from, from well, I'll start from here and then right over to Mexico, head on down and, and then we'll go from there. I love it, man. I love it. So when, when I was, uh, you know, looking at your, you, your YouTube channel and your website, you had, um, your video mama Pichu, which yeah. I, which I, which I, which I watched, which was, well, I'll let you explain it, but it was a really cool video. And maybe you can talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what inspired that, you know, kind of the making of that and maybe any. Oh. Oh.